Hey ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 221. I am your host, Jared Weich. As always, I am joined by my amazing co-host, Dominic Orlando. I have a lot more Neo stuff to blabber about today. A lot more Neo on the table. I don't actually have too much to talk about in terms of what we've been playing, but we have some news to get through. Some updates for Hogwarts Legacy, the troubled Harry Potter game that people have been dreaming of having <laughs> and obviously it's one of those uh, monkey's paw situations where your wish comes true but there is a caveat to it but we have some positive updates for it uh, we have some news in terms of acquisitions in the video game space seems like we can't go more than a couple of weeks without a new acquisition the consolidation of the industry is real and uh lastly we want to talk about this new nintendo switch stuff that came up via bloomberg interesting tidbits there Let's hop into the rundown. First up, we're going to be talking about Hogwarts Legacy. If you're unfamiliar, somehow, some way, this RPG was revealed. It looked really cool. Then we got some heartbreaking stuff because obviously the moment it was revealed, people realized if I buy this game, I'm going to be giving money to J.K. Rowling. If you've lived under a rock, J.K. Rowling is pretty transphobic. And it's not one of these things where she was uh, misheard or her quotes were taken out of context. It's a pretty common thing that she uh, happens to display over and over again about her feelings towards trans people. And yeah. her and rhetoric it, her rhetoric is rather dangerous, you know, so. And you're right. It's not like a, it's not like a, you know, someone who made an inappropriate joke or said one thing that was wrong and like, um, you know, realized it or like, or just kind of brushed it aside. But like, no, this is something like, she really believes in and is important to her and she's like you know encouraging uh, yeah certain ideologies that are like you said harmful especially for a figure who's very well known amongst a young like a younger demographic as well as to like us millennials because we grew up with harry potter and morphing people's minds into thinking these things that just genuinely aren't true about the trans community is very harmful which is sad because I would argue to say that a lot of the Harry Potter fan base was LGBTQ and trans and like it was very it felt very open and inclusive and it was just heartbreaking to see this happen how somebody can write something so progressive in ways and yet still be tied to old ideologies. That being said, some of her writing does show how problematic she can be where uh you know some of her the way some of her characters are named, some of their personality traits so if you look if you look like into the writing, you can see where a lot of her problematic tendencies lie. That being said, we have some positive news from Jason Trier. So he tweeted, Hogwarts Legacy will have trans-inclusive character creation with body, voice, and gender, which wizard, all separated, sources say. This news follows J.K. Rowling's transphobic comments and the recent discovery that a producer supports Gamergate. Now, we obviously don't get, need to get into Gamergate. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably familiar with that whole situation um before we get into the second part of this um dom this seems like a good step in a right direction for the game but do you think that this will ultimately do anything when this game releases in terms of people overlooking the fact that jk rowling is going to profit off of this game yeah it's tough because it was already like it's already that same like great question of like you know oh if i buy this then i'm she's getting some of this money but i also like there's a whole dev team and you know all the, the studio and the publisher and stuff that like are have distanced themselves you know from what she said right and like 
do they deserve to also get punished for what she's doing, right? So it's there's already that that kind of gray line. And so then when you add in, not only is the dev team distancing themselves from her comments, but they're actively, you know, doing things that they can to, you know, work against what, you know, the side that she's she's on basically, right? So this is a super cool thing. And if we could, if there's a silver lining from all this, it's like hopefully like, you know, more games um, start to do that too. And my like, you know, your your kind of like dream in the back of your head is like hopefully um, she gets wind of this and, you know, decides, oh, I don't, well, you know what? I don't want anything to do with this game. I don't want the money from this game specifically out of all my Harry Potter stuff. I don't want those royalties like that would be cool right that would be everyone's dream scenario she gets to go on her merry way being a bigot and you know we get to guilt free buy the game right exactly and it's added layers to this right because you are correct in in your statement saying that like well the developers are working on this and doesn't their work deserve to be appreciated but like i just mentioned they have a producer that supports gamergate he's also actively bigoted so it's like an additional layer to that but fear not there's some positive news that said producer has since resigned from WB Avalanche Software. He tweeted uh, some snarky messages saying like his relationships are still good there, but he decided to resign. In my opinion, this totally reads as like, hey, we're going to fire you. You can resign if you want to. You know what I mean? Uh, it, that's what yeah. it totally reads as to me because the PR nightmare from this on top of already dealing with the J.K. Rowling connection, the moment they probably – understood that people knew about his connection to Gamergate and his awful YouTube channel spewing bigoted nonsense. I think they were like, yeah, we're going to fire you or you can resign. What do you want to do? What do you think about that? Do you think it's like he was in total control or do you think this is one of those things where they gave him the respectable out despite him maybe not deserving that entirely for his uh, actions? Yeah, I I get the same vibe, right? Maybe that even means like severance or whatever the heck. Um, Yeah. But just to avoid, like, it was like, a, can you just, like, go, please? Like, <laughs> yeah. let's make this easy. Like, we don't want it, you know, whatever. Um, and maybe that's best, even if, you know, it, it's not everything he deserved. But And maybe it's, it's not it's even tough. that serious. Maybe when all this stuff broke and they were talking about adding this trans-inclusive character creation, maybe as a producer of the game, he wasn't, you know, for that entirely of you know, transitioning their whole right. vision, which is even then it's like, you're making a character creator. It's not that big of a deal to include people, but maybe that was a breaking point for him. And, uh, but I, I just don't see it that way. I think it's with all of the news that surrounded the discovery of his YouTube channel and all of that. It's, I think avalanche software was like, they were already getting over like, Hey, we got this idea to roll out this trans inclusive character creation. This will give us some good points despite us still being attached to jk rowling and then right over the hill they saw this coming like gandalf in in uh the two towers you know what i mean they saw this beacon and when it came over the hill it was actually this bigoted uh producer on their game that they ended up having to fire so but it's awesome that he's no longer a part of the team because once again like you said it's a bonus i would love if jk rowling's like oh if they're gonna keep supporting this it's not something i want to support with harry potter uh, and they, there's like some story, maybe they even come to a, a thing where they strike a, like a buyout in terms of royalties for the specific project. Right. They're like, okay, we'll give you this lump sum money up front, like WB, right. As the, as the, uh, publisher. And then there's an announcement that like JK Rowling will earn no profits from the game. So that way when, like you said, the guilt free purchase of it. Right. Um, 
because it is going to be tougher people and the way she uh jk rowling talks about this stuff i doubt by this time next year she had had have gone a year without saying something stupid so we'll see what happens there um but i wanted to add this too that uh schreier continued some members of the hogwarts legacy dev team had been pushing hard for this in re uh, regards to the trans inclusive character creation uncomfortable with Rowling's position and rattled by the effect she has had on the game they've put a lot into. So just kind of clarifying what we had talked about where these developers have put a lot of hard work into this. Like I mentioned at the top, there's a couple of projects in terms of like IP that's going unused that people want, right, Dom? Like I mentioned Lord of the Rings. People want a really stellar canon like Lord of the Rings video game. Shadow of War and Shadow of Mortar are cool, but they're not necessarily canon. And it doesn't feel like the, the grandiose Lord of the Rings title people want. People have wanted a Harry Potter RPG. People want like a big Game of Thrones game. That's kind of why people are excited for Elven Ring with George R. R. Martin being attached. Um, do you think that this could possibly be an issue moving forward where these big IPs end up having these creators attached to them that I'm not lumping George R. R. Martin in with J.K. Rowling. I'm just saying in the future somebody creates something that's popular, it's attached to something, they say something stupid, and then, like, a game project gets hurt by it. Like, do you think this is a problem we can look forward to in the future? Or do you think that most creatives tend to be forward-thinking progressives and we probably won't have to deal with this too often? I mean, yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be super rare, right? Because, like, J.K. Rowling created all of it, right? Yeah. It's, like, basically, like, she owns it, you know? So, like, so you think of like how many people there are that own singularly large IPs like that. It's it's very few because most are like corporate, right? Now, like if you look at any like Marvel or Star Wars or whatever, there's not really singular people in charge of all of it, where like their views could kind of start to poison the well. So like I mean, just like we saw with Star Wars, they had one employee um, who was very public facing that you know just continued like to to be problematic. So like, well, she's gone. You know, um, well, you can't just get rid of J.K. Rowling, you know, that she owns it all. So, like, um, I guess that is, like, a weird pro of IPs being owned by committee. You know, yeah, like, or even, like, Lord of the Rings, right? It's owned by, like, the, the Tolkien family estate. It's not a singular Tolkien member, right? So, so it would could, take like, the whole family, really. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I, uh, to your point, I think the only thing I can think of off the top of my head real quickly are George R. R. Martin with, with Game of Thrones, which I'm also not entirely clear if he owns outright. Um, I don't know if he just has consulting privileges for the IP. I'm completely unclear on that. Uh, but the only other comparison directly to J.K. Rowling would be uh, Tesla, right? Uh, sure. Why is his name escaping me? Jesus Elon Christ. Elon Musk. Elon Musk, right? He says something dumb, uh, and then Tesla's t uh, stock goes down or goes up, depending on what he says. And his viewpoints directly affect his company because he's but even, But even then, we've seen that happen, and if it's bad enough, like, he can he can get kicked to the curb too, right? Like, I don't know the yeah. guy's name that was in charge of Papa John's, right? Um, I, I feel like he was the CEO, um, but he was saying enough stupid things. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think he was... It was like something racist um, that yes, he really was propagating, and, yeah. and they made him leave. They said, "You you got to go." Like the board, right? They were like, "You're yeah. you're you're screwing us all over. You're being a dick for one, and you're hurting our company." So like, figure it out. And they and I guess that's different, right? Because that's we're, we're talking about companies versus IP. So that's uh, I guess it's a little bit different in my comparison there, because yeah. yeah, companies tend to be publicly traded for the most part, and then when stockholders are added in, then it's different than a creative wholly owning the license to a property and 
earning mm-hmm. money off of it, right? So I guess it's partially different. But yeah, I, I guess you're right in the sense that we probably don't have to worry about this happening at all, really, in the future, and maybe in very rare cases. And it's all about, like, this is, like, one of the, like, we can, like, bag on, like, you know, capitalism a lot for a lot of reasons, but this is, like, kind of a good part of it where, like, collectively we can kind of, like, like enforce, I'm not saying force, but, like, you know, we can kind of, like, make it known, like, this is what's wrong and what's right, and, like, the public can kind of have a greater voice collectively, um, you know, the... Uh, that's that's what it looks like to me. Like we're deciding. Like no one's getting canceled. This isn't like you know, like we're in North Korea or something, and like one person is deciding what's wrong, right and wrong. It's like we're all deciding. Like you know, well, uh, J.K. Rowling, we don't really like what you're saying. Uh, as as recent as last week, uh, people voting with their wallets worked. Right? We saw how the failure of Anthem led to right. EA saying like, "Yo, Dragon Age Four is just going to be a single player title." Right? Because Jedi Fallen Order sold so well. So it was, a, it was on both sides of voting with your wallet. People went out and bought a really good Star Wars game because it was good and they enjoyed it. And then people didn't purchase Anthem because it was bad and they voted with their wallets. And because of that, those two decisions collectively made it so Dragon Age is going to be the game most people would want. You know what I mean? So voting with your wallets does help. And I, I, I wonder where this is going to happen because Jason Schreier in his tweet also went on to say that this game's at the very least a year out. And I wonder if, you know, we talked about is the added time because the game's not in great shape? Is the added time because J.K. Rowling, they want to kind of separate themselves publicly in terms of the optics? Maybe the delay, too, is like some legal stuff. Maybe it's to legally work out something to where they can distance themselves from J.K. Rowling, you know? Like, I wonder... Because we know WB has licensing for Harry Potter across the board, right? With the movies, with everything. I wonder if WB is trying to figure out a way to work around this too. Because they know they're going to lose money based on J.K. Rowling's comments. Like, they know that. They're smart people. They're probably understanding the trends of, like, when they signed this deal and they started making this game, they probably saw the money signs in their eyes, right? Of, like, a Harry Potter AAA RPG. This thing's going to sell through the roof. And then the J.K. Rowling comments started happening. And then they were like, okay, maybe people won't have, have make it that much of a deal. She's not really attached to the game. She owns Harry Potter, but it's different. And then they started seeing all the public comments and all this stuff. And I think it just snowballed to a, a point where it could be legal stuff they're having to deal with right now. Who knows? In a year, we'll find out. I will say the game looks really fun. It's a game I want to play, but morally, I am in a place where I don't know what the right answer is. Um, because part of me wants to give money to help the developers and show them that I appreciate what they're doing. Part of me also doesn't want to put money into J.K. Rowling's hands. Part of me might end up actually putting 60 bucks towards this game and then donating 60 bucks towards a trans charity of some sort. Um, maybe a trans suicide prevention line or something, right? Um, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is, but we'll see what happens in the following year. It's a, it's a tough thing to talk about, but I'm glad that guy is out. I'm glad that they're working on things to make the trans community feel more inclusive um but there's a lot more steps for them to make and we'll see what happens there uh are you kind of in the same boat dom where it's kind of tough to understand what the right thing to do in the situation is necessarily yeah definitely it's just for me it's it's really really easy because i've never read a harry potter Potter, (laughs) nor seen a movie so i don't care about this game in either case so it's a it's an easy answer for me right like i don't have i don't have the same pressure so but i if you say say it was an ip you cared about right say it was yeah uh i don't know say it was star wars right and george lucas still wholly owned star wars 
and he this he it was Star Wars and George Lucas in the situation just replaced those two things. How would you mm-hmm. feel about this? Yeah, it's the, it'd be the same thing. That'd be like really tough. Um, I would hope that I don't know. I I, I want to hope I hope that like someone somewhere is like trying to figure out a solution. Like you mentioned, like trying to like can we carve out like parts like can can you just step away from the IP and like take this lump sum or at least for the specific movies or games i i don't know if that's possible but like yeah that's that'd be that'd be so hard um especially when the ip itself like you said has had like a positive impact in some of the areas that that she's now negatively impacting it's kind of crazy like how can you be so how can you ha- like seem to have been so inclusive um through so much of your work um aside from some of those hints that you mentioned that she wasn't but um it's it's just weird. It's like to me, it's it's like that that annoying infighting, and like, you know, maybe because you've been punched down on, you feel like you need to also punch down on on the more oppressed group. I don't know. I I, I it really drives me nuts. It's like, um, I don't know. I, I I'm with you. I don't know the right answer, man. I mean, I I think it's partially the thing where people get older and they stop understanding the world around them. And for the most part, I'm not saying that there isn't bigoted people towards the trans community that are younger, the you know millennials and younger, but it does seem like this is just one of those things where she's an older woman. She doesn't necessarily understand, you know, the trans community and it kind of goes against what she was raised for. Instead of being an intellectual and educated person and kind of learning about something you don't know about, she is deciding to oppose it and dangerously comment on it, knowing damn well the platform she holds. It's just really upsetting. And I do think the you know, as much as they try to do this inclusive stuff and paint themselves in a good light, I do think the only thing that's going to salvage this in a lot of people's minds is like a declarative statement that she won't profit on this game. And I just don't know if that's realistic. I don't know if that's even possible. You right. Know? So we'll see what happens. Uh, in some more interesting news, let's get off that uh, discussion. Uh, Fall Guys, which is a really popular, you know, multiplayer physics-based romp of a time, uh, it's going to be coming to PlayStation 4, or, uh, sorry, Nintendo Switch, and it's already on PlayStation 4. It's coming to Nintendo Switch and Xbox this summer. Mediatonic, the studio behind the game, uh, has been purchased by Epic Games. Uh, if you don't remember, Epic Games has already purchased Rocket League, uh, Psionics, the studio makes Rocket League, uh, and obviously they own Fortnite. People are wondering, Donald, if this purchase is going to mean, A, Fall Guys is just going to see another explosion because of Epic Games backing with their marketing and all of that, especially with the crossovers with their other properties, right? You get Fall Guys things in Rocket League. You get Rocket League things in Fall Guys. You get Fortnite things in Fall Guys. Uh, and also, if maybe free-to-play is on the horizon for this game because it definitely fits that mold of Fortnite and Rocket League where the base game is free and then the cosmetics is where you pull people in, right? And I think the other thing that has people excited is that Epic Games is really good at partnering with IP holders, as we just talked about with Hogwarts Legacy, um, to get their stuff in the game, right? We've seen it with the Epic crossovers with Fortnite. What do you think this acquisition means for Mediatonic? Like, do you think it's full bore on Fall Guys, and that's why Epic Games bought them? Or do you think that they have something else in store for that uh, developer? Yeah, because Fall Guys is about to come out on Switch. It's got to be coming to Xbox soon. I would, I would it's imagine. The same, same time, summer. Yeah, okay. they're both labeled for summer. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, that alone is going to reinvigorate um, the, the the game and like you know the people who play that because like 
it was a huge deal like last summer right last maybe into the fall but it kind of august ish i think is when it came out on ps4 and pc i think i think it's simmered down somewhat and uh and that can happen right but like oh all of a sudden you got epic money and you're on you know double the platforms so like your install base is you know almost doubling or whatever it is and uh yeah and then you add in some additional some like way 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 more additional um crossovers and different skins and things like that like that's gonna be uh this fall guys could get like bigger than it ever was like it could like you know double like its player player count than it had before whatever the numbers come out to be like i think that they're gonna go big on on fall guys for sure that doesn't mean that they, they won't have that developer doing other stuff too um you know it might like put some more money into the studio and expand it and have them do other things but um or bring them onto existing stuff that epic might already have in the i don't know what epic does but um yeah i think i think definitely fall guys is going to get grow substantially well and then you think about the player base that rock league and fortnite already have right and if you simply put a thing into either of those games where you unlock something in Fortnite by going and playing Fall Guys, that's already cross-promotion right there. And mm-hmm. even if you take out Rocket League, which has a far larger player base than people give it credit for, just Fortnite alone, if you're able to get a, a fraction of that player base to go and try Fall Guys and get hooked on it, especially with a lot of younger kids who the aesthetic of Fall Guys and everything totally lends itself to a younger audience, on top of possibly going free-to-play, like... Fall Guys can not only come out and be really big on PS4 and PC again, but it could hit the ground running on Xbox and Nintendo Switch. The Switch one I'm kind of worried about, I I like to call it Fall Guys Compromised Edition because we've talked about so many times how Nintendo's online infrastructure is terrible. But Epic Games purchasing them I think is good for them because if they hadn't been purchased by them, what if Fall Guys did continue to wane? What if the Xbox and Switch launches went okay but not well? And then a year from now, we hear Mediatonic shuttered, right? Because Fall Guys just fell off a cliff. And part of Fall Guys falling off last year, I don't think it was entirely their fault. Among Us came out of nowhere, right? And took oh, over right. the internet by storm. And now we have Valheim on the deck, right? The survival Viking game that everyone's in love with. And I think having the backing of Epic Games can help them continue to be popular and in the mainstream and like i said i think the crossovers were is where a lot of the stuff can lie you know you launch an xbox and you launch a nintendo and day one for three crowns which are the currency you get for winning dom in fall guys you can get a mario costume for your guy or a, a master chief costume that'd be amazing i think it just would work hand in hand for everybody so excited for them glad they got purchased by a studio that's probably going to do a lot to market their game and have them be successful it's really cool and once again, like I said, it fits the aesthetic of Fortnite, which is awesome. Let's get into the big topic of the show. I talked about Nintendo, mentioned them, Dom. Uh, me and you both have had a uh, Nintendo Switch. I've had mine since, I think, the end of 2017 when Odyssey came out. You Did you get yours at launch? I don't remember. Yeah, like launch yeah, day. day one, yeah, yeah for uh, Breath of the Wild. So we've both, you've owned yours a little bit longer than me, but we've pretty much been there for the last three plus years. Bloomberg, this is a story by Takashi Machizuki and Sohi Kim. They're talking about a new Nintendo Switch model that could be in the works, Dom. So I'm going to read the story. We're going to go over their initial thoughts. And then I have a follow-up tweet by Jeff Grubb uh, that I'd like to read as well because it gives some added clarification, okay? So I'm going to go over this. If you want to read the full article, head over to Bloomberg. Uh, Mochizuki is one of the best writers over there at Bloomberg next to Jason Schreier. They do amazing work. And Sohi Kim adding on to the story is dope too. So go give their work a look 
Nintendo Company plans to unveil a model with Switch gaming console equipped with a bigger Samsung OLED display this year, hoping the larger touchscreen can prop up demand in time for the holidays, people familiar with the plan said. Samsung Display Company will start mass production of 7-inch 720p resolution OLED panels as early as June, with an initial monthly target of just under 1 million units, said the people who asked not to be identified discussing internal matters. The displays are slated for shipment to assemblers around July, the people said. Representatives for Nintendo and Samsung Display declined to comment. Quote, the OLED panel will consume less battery, offer higher contrast, and possibly faster response time when compared to the Switch's current liquid crystal display, said Yoshio Tamura, co-founder of display consultancy DSCC. Nintendo decided to go with the rigid OLED panels for the new model, the people said, a cheaper but less flexible alternative to the type commonly used for high-end smartphones. The latest model will also come with 4K ultra-high-definition graphics when paired with TVs, uh, they said, they, sorry, with TVs, they said. That could intensify a long-standing complaint of developers who have struggled with the difference in resolution between handheld and TV modes and now face a bigger gap between the two. The new display's resolution mirrors the current Switch and Switch Lite, but is an upgrade from the Switch's 6.2-inch and Lite's 5.5-inch. If the console's housing remains unchanged, the new Switch is likely to sport a thinner bezel. Before we hop into Jeff Grubb's tweets, what are your initial response to this uh, the story, a new Switch model? Are you okay with the 720p resolution, the OLED display? How do you feel, Dom? No, this sounds pretty cool. Um... Because it was the Vita, you know, that originally, <laughs> not originally, originally, but, you know, as far as gaming, the Vita, the original Vita had um, an OLED display and people love that Vita. about it. Yeah. Um, people love that about it, right? Um, it had other problems, but the screen people just adored. And that was like really, especially high tech for at the time, which I think was like what, 2011 or 2012 timeframe, right? So <clears throat> I think it's pretty cool that they're, they're focusing on, on the screen technology i don't know what you call that that categorization of it oled versus lcd uh, as opposed to resolution which um uh especially when you're on like handheld mode isn't going to have as much as of an impact um and granted i've never seen an oled screen so i've not like been uh, exposed to the beauty of that that i keep hearing about so man supposedly so, it's a big difference so i, I want to interject real quick i have a family member who has a LG oled tv which is like one of the ones that people really stand by Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous, Don. <laughs> it's beautiful. And obviously, it's different. That's a huge TV compared to a smaller screen. So I could just imagine the density, which we'll get into in something I want to read next. But uh, to your point, though, I think most people wouldn't complain that the resolution was terrible on the Switch. I think their mo- most of their complaints for handheld would be that the bezel's too big, right? I think it's huge. And the Joy-Con drift. I think those are the two things outside of the online infrastructure, which we talked about. I think the resolution plays a point when you talk about it being in docked mode. And the fact right. that it could be capable of 4K, I think that will excite people. You know, the developers might get pissed off at the resolution difference between the two versions, and I totally get that. But from a consumer's perspective, I think they're nailing everything that people would want in terms of focusing on the resolution for the docked mode and then for the handheld, focusing on that bezel. And they didn't mention the Joy-Con stuff, but hopefully they find a solution. Do you think that's the best thing there that they didn't try to do some crazy 4K handheld? And focus on the things people cared about, which is like the resolution on the TV versus a better quality of life experience handheld. Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, we saw this with phones also where like phones had uh, a race, a resolution race earlier on, you know, maybe like 
I don't know, five to ten years ago, like each company, each phone that came out was trying to like do a little bit higher resolution, right? And then it got to the point where I think like Sony had a 4K smartphone and it came out and it was like, okay, like that's cool that you can say it's 4K, but like it's it doesn't really effectively do much to enhance the experience. And so like most, you know, even like the latest iPhones and Samsung phones, I think are like, they kind of max out around 1440p. I want to say maybe not even that high, right? So like we, we kind of hit that cap of like, like it doesn't add much to, to keep bumping up the resolution. So I think... um on a you know on a handheld device so i think it was smart uh for nintendo to kind of follow the same model now maybe 1080p would have been nicer but um especially as you go up to seven inches but i still like even if that would have been nicer like battery life is super important here too because um you're playing you know more more demanding games on the switch than you would than anything on a phone typically right so that goes to the quality of life on handheld yeah i didn't even mention that the battery life good point um i think that's more important and it seems like the plan is to launch these these year. I think people get lost in the part where it talks about uh, uh, the uh, going into production in June and July, right? But at the top of the article, it says uh, a larger touchscreen can prop up demand in time for the holidays. So it seems like they want to get this out in time for the holidays, which is smart because we've talked about how are they going to compete with these next-gen consoles. And though they don't need to directly compete in terms of performance – they do want, like, they're a company. They want to sell alongside their competitors in some fashion. Now, people, some people think that, like, Breath of the Wild 2 is coming out this year to launch next to this thing. I don't think so. I still think Breath of the Wild 2 is probably, like, early next year at the, at the earliest. Uh, we know that Shining Diamond, or, sorry, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl are coming out. It could totally launch next to Pokemon games. We know how well Pokemon mm-hmm. games sell. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. But so say this thing comes out in November alongside those Pokemon games, Dom. Do you think there's a chance that either a Pikmin four or you know being more shocking like a Odyssey two, or you know some kind of exclusive mainline title for for Nintendo also comes out, or do you think the best we get is this launching alongside those new Pokemon games, which are already confirmed for later this year? There, yeah, there, I mean, there's just gotta be. I mean, not even thinking about the the new Switch model, like there's no, what else is nintendo doesn't have a big first party you know game coming out this this year right i mean skyward sword i suppose in the summer but obviously pokemon's big but but those are remakes um and those aren't first party and technically not even first party yeah, yeah. so like i gotta golf think is that, the only thing we know about golf, really <laughs> that's right but that's i just gotta June, think I think sorry yeah i gotta think there's something else like and i'm i'm with you i'm not betting on breath of the wild 2 but if it, even if it was an additional remake, you know, if, if it was like the Metroid collection or whatever, um, that could be it. But or I just that Zelda like, collection, that would be pretty dope. And so maybe like you know, Breath of the Wild two and Metroid four aren't ready this year, and so instead this year continues to be padded out by remakes. You know, in the form of more Zelda, more um, the old Metroids two. We got Pokemon we know about. Um, I think that you know would would keep them. Granted, the Switch is crazy successful, so like even if they did nothing, like it's it's gonna do still do pretty well. But I gotta think that they're looking for more than just doing well, right? They want to like continue to kick ass, right? So it's gotta be my, something else. My crazy conspiracy theory. So people have been wondering why is the Super Mario Collection going away at the end of March? By the way, buy it if you haven't. I still need to buy it before the end of March. It's not gonna go back on sale, Dom. They've already confirmed that. Like it's when it's gone, it's gone. 
And I'm like, okay, it's a Nintendo being Nintendo. They're being weird, so that doesn't surprise me. But it would make sense for them to stop selling that at the end of the March, have people get desperate for a new Mario game. You know, we have golf, but that's not like a Mario Mario game. And then hit us with Super Mario Odyssey 2, right? Because we haven't seen anything from that game. We've seen Breath of the Wild 2 teases. We haven't even seen Super Mario Odyssey 2. And if you get people thirsty for more Mario, the first time Switch came around, it launched with Zelda and then got Mario later. What if this time around, this one launches with Mario and then we get Zelda months later, right? With Breath of the Wild 2. And it could be a flop of that. And not saying that either of those games are easy to develop. But from my mind's eye, knowing as much as I do about development, which isn't a whole lot, I think a sequel to Super Mario Odyssey 2 would be easier to turn around in less months than Breath of the Wild 2, right? That would be my assumption anyways. So that's my weird tinfoil hat conspiracy. Is like the reason these things are ending in March is to create uh, like generated thirst for Mario. So that way by the time the new Switch comes out alongside a Super Mario Odyssey 2 or whatever it is, that can drive sales even further, you know? Who knows? Dude, I mean, to your point about these are difficult games to make, um, what, uh, Odyssey had, what, a thousand moons, right? Yeah, and... collected all of them, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and Breath of the Wild had, you know, I think a thousand or nine hundred Korok seeds. And so each of those are, um, I think the Korok seeds were a little bit simpler puzzles and stuff and, you know, than, the, than the moons, obviously. But, like, each of those are individually handcrafted, right? Like, someone... yeah designed each of those puzzles or like little parts of a level for that moon and like it like one by one they're they're deliberate they're individually made so like that's got to take a long time dude right like yeah one also it seems what we've been teased a breath of wild too seems like they maybe are flipping the map on its head and you're going underground which might be a completely new space to explore also it seems like some of the rumors are saying they're going more towards a dungeon based game design as opposed to what we got with what were they called in breath of wild the challenge rooms the beasts the divine beasts no 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 the the challenge rooms oh they're just the uh, shrines the shrines right where you had a bunch of shrines and then you had the 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 beasts that were kind of like dungeon-esque in their design uh rumors are that this one's going to be more focused on like a lot more dungeons uh that was like the big uh critique they got uh, despite that game flawlessly scoring across the board um but with like super mario odyssey they already have the physics engine in place and that's all about level design I'm not saying that it's easy to develop, but when you already have a theming style down, you already have a, a mechanic down where you can add something onto it. I think they could turn that around in maybe months shorter than Breath of the Wild 2. But who knows? We'll see what happens. My big thing is I hope there's like a dope special edition because I, I, I am going to purchase this when it comes out if it's exactly what all of this says where it's better resolution and all that. I'm, I'm excited. Are you looking to purchase this if we can get our hands on it or are you holding out maybe to get it when Breath of the Wild 2 finally comes out? I think it depends. Um, I mean, it depends on one, you know, whether or not GameStop is doing another awesome trade-in thing <laughs> like they did for the last Switch model that came out. Um, and it depends. There's just a few more details. Like, does it... Is it, like, graphically more powerful? Like, that, I think we don't know yet. Um, does it work with the same Joy-Cons, the same docks? Like, is this is this, like, a PS4 Pro Xbox One, or is this, like, a you know, a DS light to the DS kind of a thing, right? Um, I'm just curious to hear more about it. Um, but there's a good possibility that uh, that I'll be in on it um, It's sooner than later. It's really funny, too, that the moment we got that Pokemon Legends Arceus 
trailer, people are like, ooh, this looks a little rough. The, it could definitely use the, the Switch Pro. And then, like, literally a few days later, this story broke from Bloomberg about, like, oh, the Switch Pro, which would make sense that they'd want a game, a Pokemon game like that on, on a stronger uh, hardware. But to your point, this is really just talking about the display. We don't know anything about the internals right. of this new system, which we'll probably get whenever they decide to unveil it. Uh, but speaking about the uh, the Nintendo Switch Pro, Jeff Grubb had this tweet because once this news happened, people were started complaining, as the internet does. And I thought he had a really interesting thread of tweets I wanted to read real quick. So he said, I'm begging you, before you give your Switch Pro takes, please look at the pixel density of 720p at 7 inches. It's 209 pixels per inch, which is equivalent to a retina display. If you hold it 16 inches away from your face, which you almost certainly do if you're an adult, talking about how kids hold it really close to their face. So that's a very valid point. It will read like a retina display because of the pixel density, which you mentioned earlier, of like you don't need a 4K resolution on a handheld because that's just, you're kind of, it's a waste, right, essentially. Uh, and go to that point, Jeff Grubb said 1080p in handheld is a waste of power, both in terms of performance and battery. Even on your phone, which probably has a super high resolution, games run at 720p because you won't notice the difference, but you would notice your battery draining in 20 minutes. He goes on, Nintendo absolutely could have bumped it up to 1080p to get the bigger number marketing buzz, but it's absolutely the right call not to do that. I will be reading and watching your reactions, and I'm going to wait for one of your a, one of you a-holes to say some shit about 720p. And then he went on, uh, oh, and text and UI would be even smaller in 1080p, and the contrast improvements of OLED are going to be, and then he has a bunch of greater than signs, then a resolution bump. I can keep going. Uh, he even talked about how the people from Digital Foundry said the same thing. Uh, John Linneman from Digital Foundry said, currently most big Switch games fail to reach 720p as is. The PPI, which is pixels per inch, uh, is already high enough at the size. A 1080p screen would mean that most games use scaling. Native pixel resolution is always superior to filtered scaling. So basically just going on and on about how just because it says 720p, you shouldn't be upset about that. Uh, it's more, you know, be, it being OLED and it looking like a retina display is what you should be excited about. And I, I, I agree with him on a lot of this. Like, what's the point of having 1080p if the only thing you're seeing is your console doesn't last as long, right? If it drains the battery, if there is a real no huge difference in terms of visual fidelity. I don't know. I If you want to follow Jeff Grubb, he's awesome. Obviously, he always talks about the J Jeff Grubb summer mess at Jeff Grubb. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we close up the show, Dom, in terms of this new Switch? Uh, do you think maybe we'll get an announcement of it in the coming months at E3, maybe? Yeah, Not I'm E3, betting... the event itself, but, like, you know, <laughs> right. through timing. I I'm betting they acknowledge it, like, officially in the next, you know, couple months. You know, like, there's, like, a press release or some kind of interview where they say, like, yes, this is real, we're working on it. Um, more info later, right? Because, like, especially now that, like, this leaked. Um, I wonder if like they'll at least acknowledge it, and then probably in the summer will be a proper reveal. Then to have it go on sale a couple months after that, I think makes sense. Yeah, and boy, people, if you thought getting the PS5 was hard, just wait till this bad boy comes out yeah. too. You're gonna be trouble. Uh, and even the Xbox too. Like I don't know how anybody. Like I'm surprised every day I wake up dumb and I look at my Xbox Series X. I'm like, I'm thankful I have one because hearing the horror stories of people for both the PS5 and the Xbox Series X waiting for those sales going to it and just scalpers running away with all of them it's it's awful and you were able to snag a ps5 right yeah i was i was the i was yeah. the lucky one i didn't have to do any craziness either i got the, the sony direct invite or whatever yeah. and it was 
nice and smooth. And it, it seems like it's commonplace. So, like, I have the new Xbox, you have the new PlayStation, but it's kind of rare that both of us have it. And it, it's it sucks that people aren't able to get their hands on it. But hopefully that changes in the coming months and throughout the year. Uh, in terms of what we've been playing, I've just been playing more Minecraft, honestly. Uh, it's it's a really zen game for me right now. It's a game where I can put on a podcast or music and just like focus on building projects and stuff. Especially with quarantine and everything, I've I've wanted some some activities to where I don't have to like think as hard and I can just like, as the kids would say, vibe out. You know, just chill. <laughs> uh, so I'm having a blast with that. Obviously, nothing to report on there. Minecraft's Minecraft. Uh, that's pretty much it. I haven't had a chance to get back to Monster Sanctuary, which I do. Cool thing okay. I found out about that game too is because it's like an, uh, a weird like early access thing where it's getting updated. Dom, I wasn't sure if it had a, like a concrete ending. Uh, I saw some stuff where it turns out the game does have like a legitimate ending, uh, so that's cool. So I'm glad because I have like a goal in mind now where I, I felt it was gonna be a game where I could come back to you ever so often and just pick up whenever I wanted to because it was in that beta stage. But now knowing that there's a concrete end to that kind of wants me to push towards committing more time to it and completing it. And then I talked about Oxenfree last week, and I was excited to finish it, and I hadn't had a chance to go back to it, unfortunately. And there's a there's a new uh, roguelike that came out called Curse of the Dead Gods. Very strong Hades vibes. Obviously, I'm still waiting for Hades to come to Xbox, but in the meantime, this game looked like it was going to scratch that itch. Downloaded it, haven't had a chance, uh, but... That's basically what's on the platter for this coming week. Hopefully, I can get to all of that stuff. But pretty much just Minecraft, man. It's pretty much all I've been watching or playing, rather. I've been watching it too as I play. Uh, you, you said at the top of the show, more Neo stuff. Let hit me with that Neo stuff, and then anything else you played. Yeah, so it's done. It's it's finished. Completed Neo it. Finished. Nice. Platinum yeah. or just beat? Just beat. Um, I might come back and and and. Have you glanced at the plat? Is it does it look hard? I was looking at it this morning at what it would take, and um, it'd be pretty tough. Um, it would take a bit, quite a bit longer, um, but it's not, um, you don't have to. So what else I learned looking into like how New Game Plus works in this game is like, there's like a whole, this is basically a games as a service. Um, oh, well. I, I'd argue it might even be better than most of them today. Um, the way it's structured, it's, it's really cool. Um, strong co-op elements for one, um, but like, each new game plus cycle has um, like different tiered rewards that you get um, and the mission structure is set up like like they designed this game like way out into like new game plus six basically um, like they intentionally built it this way and, and all the gear and how everything levels up it's all made it's all intended to be played at that point like the, the first time you play through it is kind of like one game and then there, there's something else after that's like an entirely different thing um it's really cool and like as you the moment you beat the game the, that final boss or whatever and they give you because so each i've talked about the loot before and it's categorized by color um and so like you know mostly you're getting whites yellows blues and purples throughout the game the purples being the best and then as you beat the game you get your first set of green weapons and armor right it gives you every every type of weapon and armor in green like it's, they call it divine right so that's like a oh shit you've not you've been grinding and looting all game and like all of a sudden like oh you get this green stuff and it's like almost <laughs> twice as powerful as everything you've ever had so far and you're like oh crap it's like the huge this huge dopamine hit um and, I, and i'm almost kind of like oh, i see what they did there like they're like they, that was like the biggest piece of bait to, to continue this game was right there at the very end which i think is is pretty cool like 
that's them telling you like you haven't seen anything yet like this is where we go from here right um but uh i i don't know if i'm gonna if i'm gonna actually take that bait or not maybe not i need a break at least for now um but yeah it 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 was a pretty cool game like i'm i I complained about like the the lacking enemy variety but that never really got too much of a of a con for me it was just kind of like a yeah they're they're fine but uh like the way the difficulty ramps up for even like level to level is like kind of makes up for that almost so yeah and the bosses are all super cool and super challenging um but yeah there there's a lot more so i we'll see i just i really th- this is like this game was just a lot deeper and and cooler than i realized and uh and it was like a free game like a ps plus game at some point that i finally turned on right so um i probably will be more tempted to like get into the sequel next is, instead of like staying in this one replaying him um, yeah that's kind of like a silly debate it's like well had the sequel not existed you know, that'd be different but <clears throat> but yeah i i really enjoyed this game um so i love i love the aesthetics of the sequel i remember seeing the trailer and it seemed a lot more obviously this is from an outsider's perspective i have no damn idea it seemed a lot more mystical than the than the first game in terms of just the way it was presenting itself through the marketing um so i wonder if that's if they leaned into that because that's what people liked like those parts of it like the the lore aspects of it because i remember the trailer had uh i guess in the second one you can transform into like a like a bigger beast version of yourself mm-hmm. and it had uh the character being like circled by this mystical female spirit that was like a dragon of some sort it looked really cool so if you do hop into the sequel or when you hop into the sequel i'm interested to see how it compares both in terms of like that stuff like the lore and the environmental storytelling as well as the combat and um hopefully they resolve the issue of the lack of like enemy variety you know um and I wonder what their evolution on that new game plus system you talked about is like, what if, like, so to me, uh, I know you said it, it seems like it's doing games of service better than a lot of other games, but I don't know many people that are going to play through a game six times to get to that stuff. You know, it seems like a, a larger investment. Cause how long is this game in terms of a playthrough? I think I must've hit like 50 hours. And then obviously every subsequent playthrough is shorter, right? I'd assume because you know what you're doing. I don't know, cause I, I'm now I'm curious to try it out, cause like that that was something I, I've read that like this is actually a games as a service, and then when I like when the structure of the new game pluses were revealed to me, I was like, oh, okay, and then like the way like I described like how they give you like loot and reward you and how your your progression is like more constant, um even if it's bit by bit and then you know larger chunks at certain points like, um that's what it felt like to me, um but like. Especially when you think about games as a service as um, uh, like melee combat, right? Like instead of first-person shooter, like that's kind of um, probably the biggest thing that the people would like better or worse about this one. But I don't; it doesn't really get that label enough. And maybe it's not as good as like you know as like a Destiny or um, Avengers or Division or whatever in those aspects. But I think it would at least like be in that conversation if uh, more people like if there was more crossover in that player base, they would realize like, this is really similar. Um, it's just not, maybe not as many people, you know, as that, that you're co-oping with, I guess. And, in, in, in you know, I think you can only do like two or something. I'm not sure. I've only ever had, like, yeah. I summoned one person once, but um, yeah. So, I just think it's, it, it seems like a large investment. So I don't know how 
approachable would be to a lot of players. I do like that it's different than other games of service style setups. Um, but it's just like the moment you said like, oh yeah, with every playthrough, it's like a, a it's, it's like a large event. You're talking to somebody who rarely ever plays even his favorite games through again. So it's like that type mm-hmm. of investment is crazy to me, especially considering like the biggest hurdles levied at games of service games now is the grind of stuff that takes 10 to 15 hours. You know what I mean? And it obviously yeah. it's not necessarily a grind. You're playing through a, a, a narrative once again, but I don't know. It seems like for the absolute diehards and in that point, maybe it was constructed that way. Maybe it wasn't made for everyone who plays Neo. Maybe it's like, Oh no, there's added layers here for the people who absolutely can't get enough of Neo. And in that case, who cares if it applies to anybody who cares if it's appealing to anybody as long as the hardcore people dig it, then there's more game for them to play. And as somebody yeah. who grew up as somebody who only could play or purchase maybe one or two new games a year outside of like Madden, um, having a, a game that evolves with every playthrough is cool because it it rewards you for putting in that effort, which I think is awesome. You know, so yeah, because like the the comparisons obviously were to all the From Software games, but like. The from software games are sort of built for multiple playthroughs, but like they're not really designed um, to like have new content, you know, during those. It's just kind of like they're there and things are multiplying as you go or whatever, but um, everything is the same. Whereas this is um, the same levels, and that's that's where I really think about it. Where like I remember a lot of people like early on in Destiny um, who didn't understand like that game structure. That was their complaints of like. So I'm just going through the same levels though, the same worlds over and over. Yeah. And just the enemies get tougher and like that's and that's what out that's what where I dropped off. I was like, I don't really want it the same. Right? It's, it's the just, MMO. It's the MMO setup. Right. Yeah. Um. And so that's kind of there, and then it's just it's feeding you new loot with higher numbers along the way, right? Um. So it's I don't know. It's an interesting thing, and and this is coming from me who's never like actually got into any kind of games as a service before. So it's, um. It's a different perspective, but I think that the, probably the biggest part is like you mentioned, like accessibility is not as high as, especially like an Avengers game, which I assume has got to be easier than this um, to get into. Um, obviously, then the IP, of course, is bigger, but like this game is tough, and it's toughest. Uh, I mean, it's just hard as shit. Like it <laughs> yeah. gets easier like halfway through. I started to notice like I'm really getting the hang of it, but that's you know you're talking twenty some hours in. That's it's really punishing at the very beginning. So that's gonna drive larger crowds away other than that hardcore you talked about yeah i'm glad you enjoyed it though i'm interested to see how the sequel holds up in comparison Mm -hmm. um we'll see what happens i still need to claim ratchet and clank off of playstation plus now that you're oh yeah well it's not even playstation plus just the psn uh before i forget uh for anybody out there it's free uh with their game gameplay days or something like that for anybody you don't need playstation plus you can just go and download it which is really cool that's it for this week's show. Uh, if you want to, follow us on YouTube. You can search Controlled Interest. We'll pop right up. Subscribe. Hit the bell notification so you know when we upload new videos. Like the video if you enjoyed it. Comment letting me know what you think about the stuff we talked about. Let me know your perspective. You know, uh, Twitter. You can follow us collectively at CTRLINT. It's Controlled Interest abbreviated. We're also on Instagram at Controlled Interest if that's your preferred social network. Uh, other than that, you can follow us individually on Twitter at Jared. Weich, that's J-E-R-R-A-D-W-Y-C-H-E, and Dom at Dom's Oreos. We're on Spotify. We're on all of the listening places, Podbean, all of that stuff, wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. 
we'll catch you guys next week when uh, maybe some big Bethesda Microsoft news drops. Catch you guys then. Bye.